Well, today I want to have us take a look at James chapter 1. So please go ahead and open your Bibles up there. It's all the way toward the back of your Bible, uh, just after the book of Hebrews and just before the book of 1 Peter. We're looking for James chapter 1. And of course, it's a, an epistle, a letter that was written by the Apostle James. So it starts out in verse 1 saying, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. So as we read this first verse of James chapter 1 here, we get a very clear and a very succinct idea of who James had in mind when he wrote this letter. Uh, he is writing to those folks that were of the 12 tribes of Israel that were at that time, at the time of his writing, they were scattered all over the place. Uh, due to persecution, these believers in Jesus had to keep on the move quite a bit. And James here seems to be writing them in order to encourage them. James also defines here very clearly in verse 1 exactly who he is. He is a sold-out, fully committed servant of Jesus Christ. And starting in verse 2 here, James begins to exhort these followers of Jesus by saying, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You see, what James was writing all those years ago to those believers in Jesus of old remains the same for, for you and me as believers in Jesus today, the things that he wrote. And that is the fact that when difficult, and circumstan uh, difficult circumstances or trials come our way, and they will, be they trials of the physical body, trials of the mind, emotional trials, right? Trials of the heart and such. The thing that we need to realize, though, is that in all of it, there is a reason. And there is something that God can accomplish and do within any trial that comes our way. And James is telling them here, count it all joy. Of, of course, you, are, you and I, though, are such that when trials or difficult times of any sort come our way, the first thing we want is the easiest way out, right? The path of least resistance. Let's get this thing over with. Let's get it done with. Let's get it behind us, right? I know that's the case for me, right? That's what I want when a trial comes along of any sort. Let's get it over with, right? But we also often fail to focus on, we fail to realize the fact that God has a bigger plan in our lives than what meets the eye. It's so hard for us to realize that on a daily basis sometimes, isn't it? That, that there is a God that has a greater plan that's greater than we often understand or we can comprehend. Okay, he, he sees what we do not see, right? He is working most often in a way that is not convenient to the thoughts of our natural man. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense to us. Why can't this just be solved? Why do I have to be going through this right now? Or why does this have to be taking place? 
but we're not seeing what God is seeing. We're not, we don't know what He knows, right? Let me have you look at some scripture with me here. Go ahead and mark this page because we'll come back to it. But please look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's back to the left from where we are in the book of James here. We're looking for 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2, and we'll look down and we'll start reading at verse 12. Now we have received, it says, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, this is the Apostle Paul writing here in this epistle, or this letter. And James, uh, as we are reading this morning from the Apostle um, James is the one that wrote the, uh, the book of James, of course, that we're reading. But these men of God wrote and they taught in their daily lives the things that the Spirit of the Lord led them to write and teach. And that is what Paul is saying there, starting in verse 12. These things the apostles taught were not the things that they received from the Spirit of this world. Okay? In other words, it's not worldly wisdom from the minds of men, but rather the apostles taught what was given to them by the Spirit of God. So when we read the Word of God, we're not really reading some, you know, men's writings that are very wise men and things like that. No, we're reading what the Spirit of God gave to these men to write. And they, what they taught were spiritual things. And that's what Paul is saying here. We're talking about spiritual things. We're comparing spiritual things to spiritual things. Then in verse 14, it continues and says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You see, this is so crucial for you and I to understand today. If we are indeed people that have come to Jesus, then we are a people that have been born again of the Spirit of God. We are to no longer look at things in this life as if they all have a carnal or a physical meaning to them. That, that is when circumstances arise, trials of various sorts, we are to discern these things in a way that is not trying to figure them out from the standpoint of the natural man, but rather to seek and to trust God as to what He is accomplishing in our lives from a spiritual standpoint. Why is this trial happening, God? Right? What are you trying to show me? Again, for us, the easy thing is to do, just get it over with. Let me get out of it. Okay, I learned. 
Whatever it is you want me to learn, God, I've learned, but let me get out of it. But that's not how trials work, right? That's not what God's doing. He's perfecting something in us. He's bringing us to a completeness, to a wholeness, right? Have you ever gone through a time of trial and testing and you just can't figure out how you got there and you want to try and figure out how did this happen? How did I get here? Why did this happen? And it just seems to make no sense to you as to why it ever happened in the first place, right? And I'm sure you have. I have. This seems to be the first reaction we take is to try and figure out what we did and uh, how we got into this predicament in the first place, or we might say, what did we do to deserve this, or whatever it might be, right? But again, if we are seeking God as the priority in our lives, His will being done, then, then we can rest assured that as He works in us, He's working to will and to do of His good pleasure, as the Scripture tells us, right? But we won't always understand it from a natural standpoint. And we always won't comprehend it. That's why we've got to walk by faith and not by sight. Okay? Verse 15 here goes on, But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But... We have the mind of Christ. So there's some good news right there. If you and I will walk through this life in a manner in which we are living spiritually minded, as Paul is talking about here, right? We will be able to discern and to judge all things that come our way because we're doing so with the mind of Christ. We're looking at it in the spiritual sense, not just in the physical sense. Because when we look at things just in the physical sense, we have the ability to freak out. We have the ability to, to not understand, right? To not comprehend. But that's just the way it is because the natural man does not comprehend the things of the Spirit. So we have to look at things from a spiritual standpoint, right? Christ will work out in us His goodwill and the, the wisdom that we need to persevere through the trials of this life, He'll give it to us. But in order to do so, again, we must be spiritually minded people. Question yourself. Paul says, uh, examine yourself as to whether you're in Christ, right? Examine yourself whether you're walking in the Spirit, you know? And we need to do that in our lives. We need to take evaluation. Again, as, as we read the Word of God, it's an exhortation to us to live in a certain way. And as I teach the Word of God like this, it's an exhortation to all of us to, to say, where am I spiritually? It's an opportunity when we come together like this to just to reevaluate things and say, where am I spiritually? Where have I been this past week, this past month, this past year? Where am I? you know, from a spiritual standpoint. Okay, so go ahead and flip back to James now. James chapter 1. one. <clears throat> and I'll read starting in verse 2 again. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, 
that you might be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You know, it's, it's really not even possible to have joy in trials unless you're spiritually minded about it, unless you're walking by faith. But when we have the mind of Christ, all things are possible. Right? Think about Jesus Himself. Think about what He went through just prior to going to the cross. He was greatly troubled, was He not? Did He not sweat drops of blood simply at the thought of what was before Him? He endured such great suffering because He knew that there was a greater plan, that God was working something out greater. And he was willing to submit to the will of God for God's greater plan and not just stay focused on those circumstances, even though it was stressing to him to go through. Jesus said, if possible, let this cup pass from me. But it wasn't the will of God. And when we go through trials and circumstances in our lives, again, we want, hey, let this cup pass right away, God. Let this, let this blow by me right away. I don't want this trial. I don't want this circumstance. I don't want this situation. But to be spiritually minded is to say, God, what are you doing in this? What are you doing through this? What are you doing in me? What are you perfecting me toward? What are you working out within my life? Right? And if you are a true follower of Jesus Christ, then in this world you will have, we will have tribulation. Jesus said it would be so. And this is the same thing that the Apostle James is teaching here in this letter. He does not say, if you have trials. He says, when you have trials. And the, the good that so often comes out of trials is that our faith is tested. And when our faith is tested, our faith is proved. And when our faith is proved, it is made stronger. You know, are we going to turn away and curse God and deny Him during trials? Or are we going to persevere in the faith knowing that this world is not our ultimate home and that God has an ultimate plan that's greater than what we can see. Trials, troubled times, illnesses, whatever comes our way, we can look at from two different standpoints, right? From the standpoint of the natural man or from the standpoint of the spiritual man. And for this present time, we live in both realms, don't we? We live in a physical world, but we're called to be spiritually minded. There's both the natural and the spiritual right now. But we must keep in mind that we do have the mind of Christ because His Spirit dwells within us. Wisdom is available to us. And James here continues in verse 5 and says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Who gives liberally, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, here's a problem with this verse as it pertains to you and me today. So often we can seek God for wisdom in a trial, but the wisdom, again, that we seek is usually, okay, God, how do I get out of this right away? 
How do we stop this trial right away? Give me wisdom to get out of these circumstances right away. That's often what we're looking for when we first cry out to God in prayer through a trial. Stop this, God, immediately. Rather than saying, God, give me the wisdom to patiently get through this trial and to learn all that there is, God, that you want me to learn in the midst of this trial. Again, because he's looking at us in a different way than we're looking at the circumstance. He's seeing something that he wants to make better in us, right? Some, something he wants to make us stronger through in a spiritual sense. He wants to grow us because he's preparing us for something far greater than what we have here or ever will have here on this earth. So he's working out a plan within us. But James continues, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You see, it's very easy to approach God in prayer in a double-minded way. I think it's very easy to do. I think I often fall into doing it, approaching God in a double-minded way, approaching God in a manner that we want what we want. I've already got it in mind what I want here in prayer. It's already in my mind. So that's one mindset right there, right? I want to, and, and when he's, James is talking about trials here again, you know, okay, I'm going through something. Give me the wisdom to get out of it. That's normally how I, that's normally my mindset initially from my own natural man. That's how I want to approach it, right? Hey, how do I get out of this? Let me solve this problem immediately, right? And instead of praying in a manner that says, not my will, oh Lord, but your will be done, right? A prayer of faith has the mind of Christ as the priority, okay? We can't truly seek God in faith acting as if we want His will to be done in the midst of a trial when in reality we're double-minded and we really want our will to be done. That's being double-minded, right? Faith is to trust in God no matter what comes, right? No matter come what may, right? It's like we see in the story of Job, right? I don't know when the last time you guys have read Job, but I really encourage you to, to make that something you read this year at least. Job was a man that went through a horrendous trial. His trial, the difficulties in his life were so terrible that even his wife told him that he should just curse God and die. Because nothing good's coming out of any of this. They lost everything. They lost their children. They lost everything, right? Though we know Job, though, for making statements like, Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That's the kind of faith that Job stood upon. No matter what happens, if God's doing this, if this is what God's doing, even if he slay me, I'm trusting God. And Job said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's what Job said through that trial. 
And just like Job, you and I are to be patient in any trials that come our way. You've heard of the patience of Job, right? We're to, we're to have that kind of patience no matter what comes our way. And we're to continue to walk by faith in God no matter what and not by sight and not in accordance with our natural man or our own thoughts. Trusting in God means that we don't always understand. Proverbs says, trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. So we don't lean on our own understanding when it comes through this life and through trials and things that we go through. We're not to lean on our own understanding. We're to trust in God who's greater. And again, this would be being spiritually minded, wouldn't it? Verse 9 in James here, chapter 1, continues, Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower fails, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. You see, sometimes trials come into our lives for the express purpose that we really need to be knocked down a few notches. And God knows it. Sometimes we need to be knocked down, right? A few notches, right? Maybe as God looks at our heart and He sees who we really are on the inside or who we're becoming, or maybe a certain path we're starting to take or a direction we're starting to go in life, and God says, oh no, you're not going that way. And something needs to come to, to set, set you back a little bit, right? And to set you straight. As a loving Father who is preparing us, like I said earlier, for a much better place than this world now is, maybe He sees the need that we be humbled just a little bit to get back on track. Other times, trials will come to propel us further, right? To exalt us, right? To put us on a different and a better path that is more within the will of God. But we see it as a trial. But after we use hindsight, you know, a couple years down the road, we say, oh man, I'm so glad that happened. I'm so glad God didn't answer that prayer for, that I wanted. Because now I see how bad that would have been or where I wouldn't have been or whatever, you know. But again, we're, we're not to view the trials that come in our lives from the carnal mindset standpoint, right? That is trying to reason them out or figure them out with the natural man. No, instead we are to view the trial from the standpoint of the spiritual man that has been made new in Jesus Christ that is trusting in God. And from the mindset that God is working out His good pleasure, like I said earlier in our lives, He's working out His purposes. So you see, it really does take perseverance. It takes endurance to walk by faith through this life. you got to keep going. And you got to keep trusting God. 
So that's what James has to teach us concerning various trials here. And now the topic will change in verse 12. And he's going to begin to talk to us in regard to temptation. Verse 12, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of, crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So again, we now touch on this topic of temptation. But when comes this crown of life that is spoken of here by James? He tells us that the Lord has promised it to those that love Him, this crown of life. But when does one receive this crown of life? Well, if you mark this page again in your Bibles and turn to the last book in your Bible, the book of Revelation, and please find chapter 2. So, Revelation chapter 2. <clears throat> In Revelation chapter 2 here, we get an indication of just when this crown of life comes. Jesus speaking in verse 10, down in verse 10, He says, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. So we see that one receives the crown of life upon death, upon dying. That's when we receive the crown of life. It's not something that one receives in this life. The crown of life is eternal life. And the one that truly loves God will persevere in the faith come what may. And, and, and we read the Lord will give that crown of life to those that love Him. You get it at the end. You get it at the end of life, which means you have to stay strong in the faith through trials. You have to overcome temptation like James is teaching us all the way to the end. And then we're going to receive that crown of, crown of life, that eternal life. So as we flip back to James chapter 1 again, I'll read verse 12 again. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Okay? So how long before we receive that crown of life? I want to drive this point home to you this morning. We will not receive this promised crown of the Lord's until this life is over, until we have continued to persevere in the faith all the way till the end of this life. We must continue to fight the fight all the way till the end of our lives here on this, on this earth. Right? We can't give in. We can't quit on the faith. Nor can we quit in the fight against temptation and against sin. God's not bringing, bringing about trials and temptations, but it is the way of this fallen world, so these things will come our way. 
and we will be tempted. But verse 13 goes on to say, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. I can't help but think about Flip Wilson. Most of you here are old enough, right, to remember Flip Wilson. <laughs> Geraldine, the devil made me do it, right? Hey, David, my uh, computer's dying. Can you get the plug for it, please? It's over there in that corner. So... You know, Geraldine, the devil made me do it, right? But uh, James says here, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Right? Because remember, we're not talking about trials now here, right? We're talking about temptations. Okay, we spent a little bit of time talking about trials, but now we're going to talk about temptations. Excuse me one minute here. Um, and God's not to blame for temptation. Quite frankly, nor is the devil in most cases. Okay? Temptation comes as a result of the self-will. It starts right by us, like it says here, by us being drawn away. Okay? We get drawn away by something we desire. Something that entices us. Something that we say, oh, this feels good right now. Oh, this looks good. This seems good. You know, and we can really apply this into a lot of areas. Oftentimes, right, when we talk about sin and temptation like this, it's easy just to think about big sins, right? But sometimes it's easy to get distracted into things that may hurt us financially, a bad decision, you know, or something that's like, well, you know, we really don't need that thing. We really don't need to do this or, or that, you know. So, but that's what happens. We get drawn away and we're enticed. And none of us are immune to this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I won't have you turn there, but just listen. I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 through 14. It says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You see, that's a dangerous thing is to think, well, I'm immune to temptation. I'm, I'm, I can't fall into sin. It's not going to happen in my life, right? Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Then he says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. So it's common that we're all going to go through very similar temptations in many ways, right? It's very common. But, it says, But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape. So there will be temptation. And God doesn't deny that that happens in this world, that this flesh of ours can be enticed and drawn away. But God always makes a way to escape it. There's always a way there to escape it. Right? That you may be able to bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. In other words, run from that sin. Run from whatever you're, you, is enticing you or drawing you away. Turn and run from it. You've got the ability to do it. You can't say, oh, the devil made me do it. 
oh, this happened. Oh, I just gave in to it. No, you had the way to escape. God promised that He would put it there. And it, it is there, right? So we don't have to be drawn away. We don't have to be in, enticed, right? And what does this come back to? This comes back to being spiritually minded people. Are we thinking carnally? Are we thinking in a fleshly way? Getting our desires, our will being done? Because if we live that way, when that temptation comes, well, then we're going to go for it. Because we're being drawn away, because that's the mind we have. We're not operating in the mind of Christ. We're using our own carnal mind and thinking about it our own way. And sometimes when trials come our way, right, it's real easy to just say, oh, forget this. I'm not persevering in this. I'm out of here. Right? How many divorces happen because people just say, I'm out of here. I'm not going to fight through this. I'm not going to fight through this temptation, this trial or whatever. I'm, not, I'm just going to give in and, and forget it. You know, I, I deserve something different or deserve something better, whatever it might be, right? But Christ never gave in to temptation. And we have the mind of Christ, right? He was tempted in all ways like as we are, the Bible says, but He never gave in to sin. But every one of us here on this earth goes through the same temptations in this life. It's common, right? But not everyone chooses to be spiritually minded. Not everyone chooses to take the path to escape that God always provides. We cannot allow ourselves to go down that path, though, because it ends up leading to a spiritual death for us. That's where the temptation will lead us. Look at verse 14. But each one is tempted. I already read this, but I'm going to read it again. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And, when, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. So again, it starts with desire and enticement. And then it leads to sin, which leads to death, spiritual death. And sin destroys lives in many ways. There is no wisdom from God for the person that walks in accordance with their own desire. Verse 16 says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of His own will He brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. Do you see what James is pleading with us about here? Don't be deceived by temptation. God is good. And what He gives is good. Okay? He supplies all of our needs. We have all of our needs in God, right? God opens a way for us to have the things we need, but He's more concerned with who we are spiritually than what we have in the physical realm of this world. But oftentimes, our carnal man, our carnal nature, is more concerned with what we have on this earth, the here and now, what we get, what we obtain. And we don't think spiritually. What are you doing, God? What do you want from me? Who, who, who do you want me to be, right? 
It says there that He brought us forth by His Word. Right? The person that truly comes to faith in Jesus Christ is that born-again person. They are a person that does not live life by their own plans and schemes and dreams. It's not all about me, but rather they live their life in accordance with the Word of God. He brings us forth by His Word. I want you to go ahead and mark this page again and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. Again, it's toward the back of your Bible. I want you to find 1 Peter. Right after James. Yep, 1 Peter chapter 1. And we'll look down and we'll start reading in verse 22. 1 Peter 1, 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, this is what I wanted to point out to you. I said James talks about him bringing us forth, right, with his, with his word. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass. In all the glory of man as the flower of the grass, the grass withers and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. You see, this is what the Apostle James was talking about as well. Good things come from God. Good things are found in the word of God. We can't trust in ourselves. We can't trust in the ways and the things of this world. Only God is eternal. And in Jesus Christ, He has given us eternal life. Right? But in the here and now, we have to walk by faith. And we've been born again through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. And it's important that we have the Word of God in our lives. And we need to continue to fight the fight of faith and lay hold of what God has for us. So flipping back to James now, I just wanted to point that out to you there where Peter says that we've been born again through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Right? James says in verse 19 of James chapter 1, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Oftentimes in trials, it's real easy to let anger take over, right? To allow ourselves to get angry or upset. Why is this happening? And, you know, whatever, right? So James has given us an idea here of the kind of character we should have as we go through these trials as well. We are to be gentle. We're to be calm, peaceful, patient, kind. Our goal is to produce a righteous way of life in our lives. That's what God is doing, right? For the wrath of, of man, though, it says in verse 20, does not produce the righteousness of God. Verse 21, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted Word of God, which is able to save your souls. So you see, the power of God 
is what we see here. The Word of God gets implanted in you. And as a result, you fight the fight of faith all the way to salvation, all the way to the end, all the way till you receive the crown of life. And it's through that living Word, that the Word of God that gets implanted in you. King David in Psalm 119.11 said, to the Lord God, he said, Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's important that we study the word of God like this, that we know the word of God, that we hide it in our heart. The word of God needs to be of the utmost importance in our lives. But here in verse 22, there is something very important when it comes to the word of God in our lives. It says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, this is the word of God, right? He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So do the Word. Do good works. Do the things that, that God would call us to do. But keep yourself unspotted from the world as well. How do we do that? By avoiding temptations. Right? So you see, the spiritually minded person hears the Word, keeps the Word, lives the Word. Life in Jesus Christ is not a Sunday-only religion, though that, that's what most of the world has diminished it to. That's what Christianity has been diminished to, just a Sunday religion, right? You see, Jesus, though, is to be our lives. We have the mind of Christ. We are to live in such a manner that displays that that is true that we have the mind of Christ. So as we go forth now into another week, right, first of all, I'd ask some listening via the internet or watching, have you come to Christ? If not, the time is now. You can do so. Have you been walking in the truth of the Word, all of us? Have we been walking in the truth of the Word? If not, the time is now. Make the choice to do so. Are you spiritually minded? If not, you can make that change today to become a spiritually minded person. Whatever you do, let's just be sure that we're hearers of the Word and doers of the Word. Right? And not only hearers, forgetful hearers, right? Let's go forth and be doers of the Word of God and be spiritually minded people and make our faith an active faith where we're actually trusting in God. And when the trial comes and the next trial comes, remember, say, God, what are you doing? What do you want to accomplish? Rather than saying, God, get me out of this and freaking out over it, right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
Lord God, again, we thank you for this opportunity to gather around your word, Lord, your living word. Your word is truth. Your word is holy. Your word is above all else, Lord, and we thank you for it, Lord. Thank you that you have not left us comfortless and alone. You've given us your Holy Spirit who teaches us. We thank you that we have the opportunity today to start afresh, to start anew, Lord, even as we leave this place, Lord, we have the opportunity to adjust our spiritual focus and to fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We thank you for your goodness and love and mercy and grace, Lord, your love and kindness, that your mercy is new every morning, God. We need your mercy, and we thank you for it. We pray that you'd bless the week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.